On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about a Masters tournament in November. Seems very odd. Day one was today. Round one was on Thursday. Very, very strange. And we're talking about photo radar. The city of Hamilton brought it in in October, 1st of October. The numbers are out. How many tickets were given out by the city of Hamilton in one month of photo radar at one location? I think you're going to be more than a little surprised. Stick around to find out. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. It's been a weird year in a lot of different ways. I don't need to tell you that. But some of the oddest things have come in sports. We've had a Stanley Cup presented in August. We've had an NBA championship around the same time. And now we have a Masters championship being played in November. This this may be, to me, the oddest one. Because the Masters is synonymous with the coming of spring. Kind of like opening day in baseball. And when the Masters is on, spring is here. We're getting upbeat and optimistic and ready to get out of our houses and get outside. And now we're getting ready to hunker down into our bunkers for winter. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Let me bring in Adam Stanley. Adam is one of this country's great golf writers. He has watched golf for a ton of time and Masters and everything else. Adam, you um, are watching or you have been watching today, I'm assuming. Did you feel that same sense of weirdness that I did watching it? Yeah, I did. Uh, my, I've got a TV set up in my office, and my home office, and, and right outside the window across the street was my neighbors going full Clark Griswold on their uh, <laughs> Christmas decorations. So as the Masters was unfolding on my you know, in-office television, out the corner of my eye, there's a eight-foot snowman with, uh, with lights <laughs> all, all around it getting set up outside. So, you know, that is a, it's a weird combination of what my eyes were, uh, were looking at. So to your point, yes, it has been very strange that the Masters is uh, taking place at this time of the year. And look, I watched it today. I enjoyed watching it. The place looks amazing. It's always the greenest place on earth. Um, the difference is, I guess, that for some reason, and maybe it's psychological, it didn't, maybe it's because of the weather or the season or whatever. It just, it didn't feel special. It felt like a golf tournament, like it was another one on the schedule. And and the Masters is supposed to feel special, or maybe that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I think the once the tournament got underway, I think it still felt special because, at least to me, because once you were seeing the guys play these holes, they were certainly less recognizable than when the patrons are, are lining the fairways and you kind of have in your head the, the way that it is supposed to look. But, you know, when Tiger Woods gets to number 12 and he's playing Amen Corner, or when, you know, Nick Taylor is seeing off on number one, Canadian making his Masters debut, and you kind of see that, uh, that distinguished bunker on the right-hand side and that identical camera angle, you do kind of get a, a sense of, okay, yeah, this is, this is this tournament. It's a tournament unlike any other, in a year unlike any other. So you kind of have to wrap your head around that. But I think, you know, as the day went on and we got some of those uh, drone shots, uh, with this golden November light, uh, you couldn't help but kind of feel like, okay, you know, this is Augusta National and, and it's still a special place. I'll give you that. The, the definitely, and I don't know why they didn't do drones before. I mean, you could have done drones with people there, I guess. But yeah, they, they seem to have implemented these drones this year for the TV coverage and have given a bunch of new angles that I've not seen before. And again, I'm not really sure why they're doing it this year, but it's great. Yeah, I think it's just, from what I have read, because there's no um, grandstands that have been built on property, they have an opportunity to kind of to fly some of these drones 
in areas where the the grandstands may have been and there's these wider sight lines. Uh, I don't believe that the Goodyear blimp has been uh, deployed at any sporting events this year and, and golf obviously uh, is included in that. So perhaps they, they pivoted uh, to some some drone camera angles, which has been you know very incredible for if I can put it in a word because a lot of people are seeing Augusta National from above for the first time, which is which is pretty neat. So um, I, I'm not really too sure how it's going to all unfold over the next couple of days, if that sense of wonder is going to return for most people, or if it's not. I mean, the TV times are all different on both Saturday and Sunday. Um, you know, but Tiger Woods is in the conversation. I mean, the golf course looks really good. Uh, and I think, you know, it's still the Masters. And the fact that we get a Masters at all this year is uh, is very exciting. You mentioned the patrons. I love it. It's the patrons, not the fans at the at Augusta. It's the patrons, but um, it's true. And and I I really noticed that this time. Some of the other tournaments that have been on this year, yeah, you're you're aware there's not fans there, but boy, for some reason they seem with the Masters. We're so used to those. Maybe because it's always at the same course, so it's very familiar views. But they seem part of the furniture. And when you take them away, it really seems naked. It does. When you think about how much of a tunnel the the golf shots need to be hit through with with the patrons lining all those fairways and then all of a sudden they're gone and it looks just like a wide open space it is pretty jarring and i think most of the guys talked about this in their pre-tournament press conferences the the crowd at augusta national is almost a a living breathing entity of the golf course you know you can feel that buzz you can feel that energy no matter where you are and there's just none of that this year so for the guys who maybe have played Augusta National and played the Masters a lot, to not have crowds, it'll probably be a lot more impactful uh, than the guys who have never played there and never experienced that crowd buzz. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Adam, just before the break, we're talking about the fans, the patrons, and I I have to believe that maybe not for guys like Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson or other people who have just been doing this forever at with great success, but for people who haven't, and especially if you're not someone who has contended at the Masters before, not having those enormous throngs of people takes a bit of the pressure off, not all the pressure off, obviously, but somehow is going to make this a little easier. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think that the you know the golf course itself is difficult enough. It just has so many unique quirks to it, it quirks in the, in the best of ways. Um, but the, the crowd atmosphere is unlike any other tournament. I mean, the place is massive, but it feels super intimate when there are thousands and thousands of people, um, you know, watching your every move, even on a Monday. And I mean, you, you've been there, you've been on site and, and even on a Monday, there's tens of thousands of people, which is unlike pretty much any other tour event there is. So for somebody, you know, like Canadian Nick Taylor, uh, who's making his debut or someone like Matthew Wolf, who has had a tremendous start to his professional career and is having a tremendous start to the tournament this week, you know, I think that they are feeling a little bit more comfortable as it relates to just going out, hitting shots, making putts, and not really having to feel distracted. Even if they don't say that they're distracted, they inevitably become distracted at how many people are there. But with nobody there, uh, it's really just feeling like any normal PGA Tour event that they've played uh, over the last six months or so since they got back from the COVID-19 break. I saw more guys today in the coverage laughing and smiling on the course 
than I can ever, honestly, than I can ever remember yeah. seeing before. And some of that may be, you know, the result of nerves that you're just laughing or smiling. But I mean, usually those guys are out there looking like they are about to do surgery on someone. I mean, it is, <laughs> it is serious. And it just, to me, it looked like, oh, you know, you could, you could breathe a little bit if you were a player. Yeah. And I think that some of that probably comes from the fact that their tournament round starting today uh, were very similar to their to their practice rounds. I mean, Monday, yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, there was nobody around. And Thursday, the tournament starts, and there's still nobody around. It basically feels exactly the same. And unless you're paired with Tiger Woods or you're paired in one of these marquee groups, you're not even going to have you know the, the Green Jacket members or the media following you around. You, you may legitimately just be playing in front of your spouse and whomever else might be bopping around keeping score or lasering your yardage. Uh, and then that's going to be it. So to your point, you know, I think the, the guys could have enjoyed themselves more today and tomorrow and the rest of the weekend, maybe not Sunday, but certainly today and tomorrow uh, as just a couple of fellas out for a, <laughs> for a nice game at Augusta National. That's kind of what it felt like. Now, I want to give a bit of a golf clap here um, to our friends at TSN because um, as I was flipping around today, I realized that I think they had three of their different TSN channels that were going and each of them had a different take. Well, one of them you could follow Adam Hadwin, I think it was, and the, and the Canadians who were there. One of them was you could go on and follow Tiger Woods group. And one was just in amen corner on those holes. It was that, I don't know why we don't see this all the time. That was great. <laughs> I've, uh, I've had it on uh, and you're just switching back and forth. They had amen corner. They had, 15 and 16 they had the featured groups there was a lot of opportunities to watch a lot of different golf today and it was just kind of tip of the cap to tsn and tip of the cap to you know the masters uh and augusta national itself as an organization realizing they they can do different things as it relates to showing this golf tournament they hold all the power and if they want to show you know all the guys you know, and, and all the holes and, and this, that, the next thing, then they can do that. And I agree with you. They, they should have that opportunity, um, you know, week in and week out on the PGA. Yeah. Why tour, don't we, Adam, why don't well, we see I, this? Because look, TSN has what, five, six, seven channels, Sportsnet yeah. the same, whoever's got it, you're going to get the same ratings because if people are watching, you're, you're gathering all the people anyway, why are we not seeing them spread this out so we can get different options on the channels? But are people going to be all pumped up to watch TPC San Antonio on on a uh, on a on a stream? I don't know. I think Augusta National people will tune in just for the sake of watching a main corner. Yeah, and yeah. Who cares who comes through there? Now I think PGA Tour Live, which is a service that the tour is doing uh, via Golf TV, which we can get in Canada. Uh, you know, they're starting to do more, but it's just a featured group. So you may be able to see, you know, a, a couple of notable names in the morning and, and a couple more notable names in the afternoon. Uh, and then that's it. But to your point, it's not available on television. So diehard golf fans, we'd all love to see that week in and week out on the PGA Tour. But I think the Masters remains, you know, a, a special entity. And, and that's why we get it one week of the year. I guess, I guess. I mean, again, for, for the networks, if you're going to get the same number of people and you can offer yeah. three different things and you can appease even more people because you know some people will tune in just to watch tiger woods all day long you don't want to see anyone you don't care you know you yeah. go to the like go to the waste management team. open at the waste yeah. management open you just want that one par three that you can watch the whole day you don't care about the rest of it or the canadian i look i i, I applaud them for doing this i i hope this will be something that they would 
consider down the road and, and not just for golf, quite honestly, like, like let's try this with some other sports as well, but you know what? We will, um, we will see uh, master starts today, runs through Sunday, Adam Stanley, really appreciate you taking a few minutes today to talk about this. Thanks for it. No worries. Thanks, man. Take care. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to see some of the networks use this as a as a, a, a moment to go, you know what, this is kind of cool. We're not losing any audience because we hold all these stations. And why not have a different option? Why not with NHL have one channel with play-by-play and one where it's just the arena feed? If you don't want to listen to the play-by-play people and you just want to listen to the game with the noises, sure, why not? you're going to get the same audience. It's just over two of our different stations, but we still count it rather than just showing the same thing on two stations. What point is that? Anyway, good job by TSN today on doing this. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. Back on October the 1st, you will probably recall that this city got photo radar. Again, I'm guessing most of you remember those discussions and the debate around the council table. So far, it has been located at just one spot. That's on Stone Church Road between Dartnell and Pritchard. So we're now a little over a month in, and we got some numbers today, which I honestly found stunning. Between October 1st and October 30th, at that one location, 5,605 tickets were handed out. 5,000, that's an average of 186 tickets a day by photo radar. How fast was everybody going? Well, the numbers for that part are only available for the first 19 days. They're still collating the rest of them, but the average was 14 kilometers an hour over the 50K limit, which turned into an average penalty for people who got a ticket of $103. want to bring in Mike Field, who is the Hamilton Manager of Transportation Operations. Mike, thanks for doing this today. Appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for uh, having me. So when you... um, finally sat down and you saw these numbers. I mean, you probably had a good idea what was going on, but when you saw 5,605 tickets in a month, were you surprised by that? Uh, It's a good question. The automated speed enforcement is new in Ontario and um, uh, City of Toronto had um, installed some units earlier than us, but their locations are a little bit different than ours. Um, They're in residential neighborhoods and ours is on Stone Church, which is more of a, a, a um, major roadway. Uh, so we were, um, we did some preliminary estimates of the number of violations that we thought we would see. And, um, it, but at the same time, we were going a little bit blind as far as of, of what the actuals uh, were going to be. So I would say that uh, the numbers are above what we originally estimated. Well, yeah, when the city launched this, um, if I recall correctly, they were talking about breaking even if they could get 25,000 speeders over a 12-month period. Uh, this is just one location. You're on pace to go two and a half times that amount. Yeah, we have 12 locations we're going to be installing the camera or rotating the camera to over uh, the next 12 months as part of the pilot project. And Stone Church is the first road. We knew for some context as far as the number of speeding violations that, that we saw on Stone Church, we knew that there was a pre-existing speeding issue on Stone Church. So it's not shocking that, uh, you know, there's a lot of violations occurring. The the other thing too, is this data is only really good, as you mentioned, um, from the beginning of October to October 19th. And I would say our our experience so far in looking at some of the data was that, um, you know, there were a lot of violations occurring when that camera was first deployed as people kind of uh, either didn't know that it was there or, or slowly found out that it was there. 
And then over time, those the number of daily violations or the total number of violations kind of shrunk as people became more more in tune with that uh, camera being there. That's also our experience with red light cameras when we put them in uh, new locations. You know, normally, as soon as they go in, the violations are at their peak. And then once people kind of realize, hey, there's a there's a camera here, and then they start dropping off. I, I should also point out the when council was talking about this, the anticipated average ticket value was they were talking about $70. You're almost 30% ahead of that. It just, it makes me wonder, are we in Hamilton? Are we just terrible drivers? <laughs> Cause that's the message I almost take from this. Yeah. It's, 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 um, like I, like I said, ASC is new. So we were, um, we were basing some, some estimates on what uh, we saw from the city of Toronto and then just on, uh, some theorizing, some theorizing that we did, uh, prior to the, to the plan. So we were trying to estimate uh, based on some past data that we had from studies and what have you what the violation uh, average violation cost would be but um, it's slightly higher than than what we originally estimated uh, for Stone Church for sure. And again going back to when this was discussed because it was there was some contention around this not everybody was in agreement with it and when it was first brought up councillors were a little bit defensive saying no this is not a cash grab this is not a cash grab uh, and again, they were saying 25,000 tickets, $70 a pop was what was needed to break even. Now that we have these numbers, this is, Mike, looking like a bit of a gold mine for the city. Uh, that, that's part of the pilot we're looking at, um, you know, over those 12 months period and collecting all of the data and what the um, average, um, you know, I guess violations, violations are, but um there's a bunch of other fees associated with processing uh, the tickets and everything, but we're, we're estimating that it's not a moneymaker for the city at all. Um, and that's not the purpose of it to begin with. It's more about, um, you know, establishing some better road safety uh, for everybody in those locations that we have uh, designated. So um, in, in that case, um, you know, w- with that in mind, uh, um, essentially that's, that's what we're, we're looking for. So, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to believe that because if we, even if we round it down, let's say 5,000 tickets a month instead of 5,600 and at $100 a ticket, that's $6 million a year just at one location. I I, I mean, it's, it's stunning that that wouldn't be making money somehow for the city. Yeah, that's, that's, it, it's, it's all part of the, the, you know, the business case that we have and, and part of the pilot that we have going and um, all those factors uh, involved with, um, whether it's financially positive or negative will be kind of, um, you know, studied and, and established. And then we will report back all that information, those findings to council um, late, later next year upon the conclusion of the pilot project. So, um, but our initial estimates were that um, it's not um, a, a cost revenue uh, program, um, unlike uh, Red Light Camera, which uh, has different parameters in it, which, which makes that um, a little bit more uh, cash positive for us. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mike, the the report that came out today that went to city council pointed out that the average ticket was given out with an it was 14 kilometers and over was the average person who was getting a ticket. And it mentioned that the biggest ticket was 96 kilometers an hour somebody was doing, which was 46 over the limit. It doesn't mention what the lowest ticket is, what the barometer is or the bar. How, how little were people getting tickets for? Were people getting tickets for one or two kilometers over? Um, I, I think um, the best way to to, uh, to talk about this subject, because uh, we had this um, 
you know, at the council meeting uh, where we uh, presented ASC is that speeding is speeding and uh, anything above the posted speed limit is illegal. So, so it could, I mean, you're not going to say, but it could be as little as that. Theoretically, speeding is speeding. I'll just refer back to that. <laughs> okay. Speeding is speeding. So, um, you know, every uh, person who drives a vehicle needs to follow the rules of the road and uh, and those laws set in front of them. So, uh, and speeding being one of them. So our expectation, um, you know, as a city is that people, people follow those rules and they drive within the speed limits. Some of the totals, uh, even included, it says that among the 5,600, there could be more uh, because there are some that people are fighting in court. So we don't know if those ultimately will be counted. Um, do we know how many people at this point are challenging these tickets? No, and I think the uh, the data that we're presenting there is a little bit different. Um, the cameras take photos and um, the, uh, the, the uh, vendor who, who operates um, the ASC equipment comes at, uh, you know, infrequent times and downloads the information off of the, uh, the cameras. And then it is sent to the City of Toronto at their joint processing centre. And then that joint processing centre looks at all, all the photographs and uh, determines which ones are uh, ones that can be um, uh, put forward for violations and which ones can't. Um, and then from there, it goes into the uh, provinc- provincial off- offences system. And then they, uh, they start issuing the tickets. So there's a little bit of a lag. Um, and from the time that the camera has uh, takes the photo of a violation, there's 30 days uh, from that point to uh, to kind of um, uh, issue a violation. So, in, in other words, the the um, there's still um, information out of the cameras that's being processed from October right now. So the data is relatively incomplete from the month of October. The thought behind this, this was part of the the city has a I think it's Vision Zero is the name, right? The uh, the zero accident have i got the right name yeah vision zero is vision uh, zero. a road safety initiative yeah yeah and this, this is part of this is that. ultimately part of that right i mean this is it, it ties into that thing we're, we're trying to reduce accidents ultimately is the point the, the the thought or the explanation behind photo radar let's slow people down so we have fewer accidents to that point do we do we know yet do we have any stats that would show that accidents decreased on stone church between dartnell and pritchard in the time that the photo radar was in place. We haven't crunched those, uh, that data yet. That's part of our pilot assessment as well. So, um, you know, we're going to be looking at a bunch of different statistics through all of these, uh, locations where we have ASC operating collisions being, uh, one of them. Um, but we do know, and that was in the report that, um, the ASC camera on stone church was effective because the average speed limits dropped um, from basically 55 kilometers an hour before the speed camera went up to 47 kilometers an hour uh, when it was in operation. And then since then, we've also put some other um, data collecting devices uh, out on Stone Church, even though the camera's not there, just to see if there's any residual benefit, um, uh, despite the camera not being there any longer, and if the driver behavior on Stone Church has changed as a result of uh, ASE operation. And what do you expect? Do you expect when there's no warning now and no camera, do you expect the people to go back up? Yeah, my casual observation is that um, the speed limits have dropped. Um, and But at the same time, I think that uh, over time that they may uh, creep back to where they were before. But uh, that, again, that's part of the uh, the study that we're going to look at. And, and uh, it'll help answer the question as far as the effectiveness of uh, ASC technology going forward. We only have a minute or so left here, but because 
by your description and, and certainly the number of tickets, because it's been effective the way it has, ultimately we're going to, as I understand it, by 2021 sometime have 12 cameras at 12 different locations around the city. But could could staff be recommending more than that because it's been effective? No, we, we only actually have two cameras and they work in uh, up together in a pair. So one camera looks at one direction of travel and the other camera looks at the opposing direction of travel. And then that camera unit circulates to 12 different locations across the city. So it's just one camera uh, kind of rotating around those locations. Um, and that's, that's how the pilot project was constructed. Uh, so we won't be adding any more con- uh, cameras um, during the, the, the period of the uh, pilot project. And then the roll-up of the pilot will be a report back to committee to help them and help us decide if ASC is, is, a, is something that we will have permanently running in the city in the future. No, I, I, sorry. I, I understand, that, again, during the pilot that it will just be the two, but I'm saying ultimately down the road, would could staff potentially say, look, we need 12 cameras for these 12 locations and more because it's been so effective? Potentially, as an outcome, if council decides that ASC is something that um, we want to continue on with, then we would build a program uh, around that and uh, and define the quantities and locations of cameras across the city. That is Mike Field. He is the Manager of Transportation Operations for the City of Hamilton. I really do appreciate you taking a few minutes to explain this. Mike, thanks very much. Thank you. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.